نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to begin this evening in lecture number 21 of our series of lectures concerning the sharh or explanation of kitab al-tawheed al-ladhi huwa haqqullah ala al-abid. The book of tawheed, that tawheed which is the right, the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over his servants by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab ibn Sulaiman al-Tamimi al-Najdi rahimahullah in this chapter Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has entitled it Bab ma ja'a anna ba'd hadhihi al-ummati ya'budu al-awthan yani the text from Quran or sunnah the evidence which have come to us which have been narrated to us concerning the fact that some, بَعْدُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ Some of the people of this Ummah will worship Al-Awthan, will worship false deities, false gods or something and he will also worship to something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul, Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah in his shah of Kitab al-Tawheed mentions that the reason why the author has come with this chapter or this title it is as a proof against those who claim that a shirk the offering of worship or considering something as an equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala offering worship to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or offering any of the rights that are exclusively for him to other than him those who claim that this action of a shirk is not possible that anyone from the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu will fall into it and they denied that the worship of graves or the worship of the awliya and other such acts which are clearly offering of some type of worship to other than Allah they denied that this was shirk and they said that this is not shirk since in fact it has been authentically reported that this ummah, the ummah of Muhammad wasallam, would be protected and preserved from falling into shirk as the Prophet wasallam said إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ أَيَّثْ that shaitan has given up hope that he has no hope whatsoever that he would be worshipped by the musallun the people who perform prayer in the Arabian Peninsula. Yani Shaitan, he gave up hope that he could ever be worshipped, that he could get anyone from amongst the worshippers in the Arabian Peninsula to worship him. And that was because the greatness that he saw of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it was established in the Arabian Peninsula in the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the establishment of Tawheed it was to such an extent that he had given up hope. He, Shaytan, lost any hope that he could get the people there to worship him. The scholars have answered this argument in a number of ways. And Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, he has answered it by mentioning these evidences. The evidences which show for a fact that the people of the Ummah of Muhammad wasallam would indeed, would indeed, some of them would indeed fall into a shirk. The first argument 
Though, before mentioning the evidences of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, the first argument against them is to explain the hadith that they use to show that it is not a proof for them. And the first of the arguments of the scholars concerning this is that, indeed, as shaitan, he has given up hope that he would be worshipped because of the establishment of a tawheed and the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Arabian Peninsula in the time of the Prophet For that reason, he had given up hope. But because he doesn't know the future, it wasn't within his knowledge to know whether, what would happen in the future. But only because he, what, what of what he saw of the establishment of Islam, he himself had given up hope. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't, didn't make him hopeless. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not in fact guarantee that no one in the Arabian Peninsula would worship idols or worship falsehood or obey shaitan. Because the worship of shaitan, it means obedience of him and whatever he calls the people to do. So the first argument against this hadith, as they understood it, is that in fact shaitan gave up hope. But that doesn't mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who knows everything will not allow that to happen. The second argument is that the Prophet ﷺ said that he had given up hope, that shaitan had given up hope of the musalloon in the Arabian Peninsula worshipping. And the musalloon are the people who make salat. And the people who make salat in the way that it should be made, then that salat, it protects a person from falling into evil and indecency. And the worst of all evils, it is shirk. Indeed, those who, who worship Allah, who pray to Allah correctly and properly, yani in accordance with the way of the Prophet ﷺ and with sincerity and ikhlas, Indeed, those people would not be of those who shaitan would be able to get to worship him. The, this is the first yani, point. And the second point is the evidence is five proofs, three from the Qur'an and two hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, which make it clear that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had willed, according to his wisdom, he had willed, that some people indeed from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu fall into shirk. Indeed also some of the scholars said concerning this chapter, Bab ma ja'anna ba'da hadihi al-umma ya'budu al-awthan that some of those of this Ummah would worship al-awthan. Some of the scholars said that al-Ummah has two possible meanings. The Ummah of al-Da'wah that is those whom the people who the Prophet ﷺ was sent to call out to, and that is all the people of the earth. It is all the people of the earth, including the Christians and Jews and pagans and others. And the other meaning of al-Ummah is al-Ummah al-Istijaba. The Ummah meaning those people who actually answered the call of the Prophet ﷺ. And Ummah al-Dawah includes all of the people who the Prophet ﷺ was sent to call out to, and that is all the people of the earth. And the Ummah al-Ijaba means those who answered his call, who accepted Islam and believed in Allah and followed his way. If here the meaning is Ummah al-Da'wah, then indeed many of the people remained, many of the people remained on falsehood, and they remained on paganism, and they continued to worship idols and to worship other than Allah. However, if we mean Ummah al-Ijaba, those who answered the call of the Prophet wasallam, then this is indeed what Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab intended here. In this title, he meant Ummat al-Ijabah, he meant the Muslims, those who accepted the invitation, the call of the Prophet wasallam, and believed in Allah and followed his way. So, the first evidence that he mentions concerning this reality, that some of the Ummah, Yani the Ummah of Ijabah, of those who answered the call of Islam, the call to Tawheed and Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that some of them indeed would fall into the worship of Al-Awthan, the worship of false gods. And Al-Awthan, it is the plural of Al-Watan, Al-Watan. And Al-Watan, it means anything that is worshipped instead of Allah. Anything that is worshipped instead of Allah. And Al-Watan is more general, as we said, than As-Sanam. As-salam means those things that are worshipped other than Allah that have a specific shape or form. Like the shape of a human being or an animal or a bird or something other than that. Whereas al-watan, al-watan, it includes everything, whether it has a shape or form. It might be a tree or a stone or a rock or a wall or a grave or anything that the people offer worship to. They offer that which is the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or attribute to it some quality or characteristic that is the exclusive characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 51. 
ألم ترى إلى الذين أوتوا نسيبا من الكتاب يؤمنون بالجبت والطاغوت ويقولون للذين كفروا هؤلاء أهدى من الذين آمنوا سبيلا Do you not look to or see, have you not seen or considered those who have been given a portion of the book? And that could include the Yahud and the Nasara, those who revelations have come to. However, in this ayat it was addressed specifically to Al-Yahud. It was addressed to the Yahud. يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْجِبْتِ وَالْتَاغُوتِ And they believed in Al-Jibt and Al-Tagut. And Al-Jibt also, its general meaning is anything that is in contradiction or in conflict with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated. Anything that the person may engage in that causes harm to them. However, the most common explanation of al-jibt by the scholars of tafsir is as-sihr, magic, and al-kahana, soothsaying. And as well, it means, it may also refer to the asnam or the sanam, idols, whatever يعني, is in contradiction or in conflict with the sharia that causes harm to the human being and specifically and more generally, it has been defined as a sihr, magic. A tagot, it means whatever is outside of the bounds of what Allah has legislated. Whoever goes beyond the bounds, outside of what Allah has legislated, outside of the restrictions, and offering whether it is worship or obedience or following to anyone or anything outside of the bounds of what has been legislated in the Sharia. And whoever offers any type of worship to other than Allah, it is outside of the Sharia. It is transgressing the bounds. This is Tagut. Whoever follows someone outside of the bounds of what is allowed for following, and following the Imams or the scholars, in accordance with what they have offered to us or called us to or ordered us with or prohibited us from, in accordance with the Sharia, in accordance with the Quran and Sunnah. But whoever goes outside of that, then that is included in Tagut. And likewise, whoever obeys the rulers, or the leaders or the people in authority outside of what is allowed you know, of obedience to them obedience to them in that which is in accordance with what Allah has ordered it is obligatory and it is worship and it is praiseworthy because obedi- obeying the leaders in that which Allah has ordered or prohibited then that is obedience to Allah but obeying them outside of what Allah has prohibited in that which they have prohibited while, while Allah has allowed it or that which they have allowed which Allah has prohibited and this is also under At-Tagut and the chief of At-Tagut, or the most principal, the, 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 out, the most outstanding of the Tawagheet, it is Ash-Shaytan, Iblis. And as well, there are other Tawagheet from amongst them, as Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab says in another place, that the Tawagheet are many from amongst the leading Tawagheet. It is those who are worshipped other than Allah while they are pleased with it, while they are, being, while they are pleased with being worshipped. Or those who call to the worship of themselves, or those who rule by other than what Allah has allowed, and so on. All of these things are also included under transgressing the bounds or the tarot or tawagit. However, as Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah mentions, that a tarot, it includes whatever is worshipped besides Allah, whoever is followed outside of the bounds of what is allowed in the Sharia, and whoever is obeyed outside of the bounds of what is allowed in the Sharia, so that it is not only that which is worshipped, but also those who obeyed or those who are followed in a way that is in contradiction to what Allah has revealed. The Shaykh says an explanation of this first verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has directed the people to, or directed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to consider, the Prophet especially, and the Muslims in general to consider some of the actions, some of the deviant and evil actions of the Yahud, the Jews. And that is that they believed or they accepted the worship of Al-Awthan, the worship of false deities. In this ayat, they have believed in At-Tagut and they have believed in Egypt. In both of these, it is mentioned that some from amongst the people of the book, and here refers specifically to the Yahud or the Jews, that they have believed in these things and all of this is falsehood and it is kufr. And likewise, they have given preference to the ibadah of the awthan over the ibadah of the believers of their Lord. Yani they gave preference or they considered as better those who worshipped falsehood. They considered them better than those who worshipped Allah alone, meaning that they praised the pagan disbelievers of Mecca and considered them 
or at least they said to them that they were better than the believers. Even though the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and his companions, yani they are, are, are those who they were referring to as the believers. In this verse where he says, يَقُولُونَ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا They said to the pagans of Mecca, those who disbelieve, هَؤُلَاءِ أَحْدَى مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا They said these are better than those who believe. Yani in their way or in their yani practice, in their religion. They, were, they, cons- they said that they were better. <coughs> And this is in light of or in consideration of the fact that the Jews, they knew in the books, from the books, the previous books, the revelations that were given to them, they knew that the deen of Islam, that it was better than the worship of false gods, al-awthan. And they knew that the Messenger of Allah sallam, was in fact on the truth. And they knew that what he came with, the revelation that he brought and the religion that he brought, that it was al-haq, the truth. However, they were blinded by the jealousy and envy of the Muslims. And, and from that they were prevented from speaking the truth or saying that which was correct. And therefore they falsely flattered the kuffar, meaning the pagans of Mecca. They flattered them, even though they know that they were on deviation, that they were on falsehood, worshipping other than Allah. However, the shaykh closes by saying that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he refuses anything except that his religion that his light, meaning the deen of Islam, that it would be perfected. He refuses that anything other than that will happen, even though the disbelievers hate it. From this ayat, the shaykh mentions three benefits or fawaid. The first of them is the confirmation of the deviation of the people of the book. That the people of the book, the Ahl Kitab, the Christians and Jews, indeed deviated. Although he is mentioning specifically the Jews, but the Christians are also included. Number two, that false flattery in matters of deen and hiding the truth or covering up the truth it is from the sifat of the Yahud this is from the ways of the Jews so Muslims should beware of, of flattering someone falsely in matters of the deen but we should be straightforward and we should stand for the truth and not worry about people's feelings number three the obligation or the, the presence wujud al-shirk the presence of al-shirk amongst the Ahl Kitab the people of the book that indeed the people of the book, the Christians and Jews, have fallen into the worship of other than Allah. The relationship of this ayah to the chapter heading and the topic of a tawheed is that this ayah indicates the presence of shirk amongst the people of the book and it has been confirmed in a hadith that will come later. It has been confirmed that the ummah of Muhammad wasallam that they would do the actions of the people of the book and, and from amongst the actions that they will follow them in is a shirk. And that will come in the hadith of Abu, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu that comes after these ayahs. Then the shaykh mentions a note that the reason for the revelation of this ayah that we have just mentioned came in a hadith that's reported by Imam Ahmed in his Musnad from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. He said that when Ka'ab ibn Ashraf uh, came to Mecca, he said to the Quraysh and the pagans of Quraysh, uh, for they said, the Quraysh said, do you not see this one who is an orphan and who is cut off? His lineage is cut off and he doesn't have any male children. He said, he is, he is claiming that he is better than us. And we are the, yani the people who take care of the pilgrims who come for Hajj and who are the custodians, the people who are responsible for taking care yani, of the sacred places, yani, the, the haram, the sacred al-haram al-makki. Then this Yahudi, he said to them, while he is a liar indeed, he said, Antum khayrun, that the pagans, you people, you are better than the Muslims. Then Allah revealed concerning them, yani concerning the pagans of Mecca, Inna shaniyaka huwa al-abtar, that indeed, yani the one who despises you, meaning the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu he is the one who will be cut off from the mercy of Allah, and will be cut off from the reward of Allah in the next life. And in reference to Kaab and the Jews, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed his saying, Alam tara ila ladina utu nasiban min al kitab. And do you not, or have you not looked at those who are given a portion of the book, believing in al jib and al tagut, until the end of the ayah? The second verse that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions, it is from, it is from Surah Al Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 60, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Qul hal unabbi'ukum. 
بشر من ذلك مثوبة عند الله يعني he is ordering the Prophet ﷺ to say قل saying to the Ahl Kitab do you want me or shall I not inform you of that which is more evil than that يعني more evil than what than the way you think of us that you think of us as being something mean or less he said, shall I inform you of that which is more evil than what you think in terms of the reward that will be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Yawm Qiyamah, the reward of those who act in this way. And here he described three or four of the characteristics of the Yahud. Those Yahud who, can, who profess by their tongue that the pagans were better than the believers. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals some of their evil characteristics. In this ayat he says, Man la'anahu Allah Yani what is more evil or what will be the reward that will be more evil than this in the Yawm Qiyamah is those who Allah has cursed. Men la'anahu Allah wa ghadiba alayhi wa ja'ala minhum al-kiradata wal-khanazira wa abad al-tagut. Yani those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cursed, meaning that he has removed them far from his mercy, they will be far removed from the mercy of Allah. Wa ghadiba alayhim and Allah, is, his anger is upon them, an anger after which there is no pleasure. Allah will never be pleased with them. And He has made from amongst them monkeys and swine. He has transformed them physically. As is reported in authentic hadith, that some of the Yahud, they were transformed into monkeys and pigs. And they also worshipped the Tagut. Yani they worshipped the things which are other than Allah. Or they obeyed someone or something outside of that which is allowed by Allah or they followed some of the people, some of their leaders with outside of the bounds of what is allowed. They worship the Tagut, the Shaitan, the false deities, deities. He said, that these are more evil in their place and they're more evil than others. Their rank or their status in front of Allah is more evil than all other people. And they're also more astray. And he far removed distant from the straight path of Sirat al-Mustaqim, Sawa'at Sabeel. The Shaykh says concerning this ayat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to his, his Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to say to these kuffar from the people of the book, shall I not inform you of those who are worse in, in reference to or in regard to the reward or the recompense that they will get on Yawm Qiyamah, worse than what you think about us. They are you meaning the Jews, those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has removed far from his mercy and he is angry with them and he has transformed some of them physically into monkeys and swine and they have worshipped the asnam, the idols or false gods or the tagut for this, for these evil, filthy characteristics Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that they are the most evil in rank and they are the most far from that which is right or correct or the straight way this, the first ayat and the second ayat, both of them talk about the Ahl Kitab and their characteristics and the important characteristic here that is relevant to the chapter heading it is the worship of false gods, the worship of at tagut or the worship of Al-Awthan. The Shaykh says here five benefits Al-Fawaid, the first of them is the permissibility, Jawaz, La'an, Al-Kuffar, Jawaz, the permissibility of cursing the disbelievers, ala sabil Al-Umum, Yani in general, number two, the confirmation of the characteristic of Al-Ghadab, Sifat Al-Ghadab for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that it is confirmed that of his characteristics is that he may become angry. Number three, the confirmation of the transformation of some of the people of the book into monkeys and swine. Number four, the presence or the existence of a shirk amongst the Ahl Kitab, the people of the book, Christians and Jews. And number five, that it is possible that sometimes one's ma'asi or sins will be the reason for a punishment in this world just as it is a reason for punishment in the next life. And his sins not only bring a punishment in the next life but they may also bring a punishment in this world and from amongst the punishment in this world was the transformation of the Jews who Allah was angry with some of them being transformed to apes and swine. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter heading Yani the chapter heading meaning the, the heading that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab headed this chapter with, the, the text which have come concerning the fact that some people of this ummah will worship false gods, will worship idols uh, and otherwise. He said that this ayat also indicates 
the existence or the presence of shirk in the people of the book and their worship of a tawaghit or the false gods and it has been confirmed in the hadith that is coming that indeed the people of the ummah of Muhammad وسلم, would do just as the people of the book did and from amongst their actions that they would do it is the falling into a shirk here the shaykh mentions a note and that is that the transformation of some of the Jews into monkeys uh, and that is he said that the, relation, the meaning of this here is that uh, that the monkeys resemble in their outward appearance they resemble human beings when in fact they are not from amongst the human beings they are different from the human beings though they may resemble them in many ways and likewise the Jews in their tricks and their deceptiveness to escape from the law of Allah to engage in that which is haram many of their actions outwardly appear to resemble the truth of that which is right while in reality it is false in reality their actions are false and the, the inner uh, reality of it is that it is false though on the outer surface it may resemble truth the third evidence that the Shaykh mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-Kahf, chapter 18, verse 21, the saying of Allah, وَكَذَلِكَ أَعَثَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ and, and indeed we have pointed out, pointed them out, and he made known the Ahl, the Ashab Al-Kahf, the, 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 the boys who were in the cave. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pointed them out to some people so, so that they would know them. لِيَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقِّ So that they would know that the promise of Allah it is true وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا and that the hour of judgment there is no doubt about it yani meaning that just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused these people these boys to die and resurrect them bring them back to life again after 300 and some odd years and then the people to discover them and find them likewise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable and able and indeed he will do so that yani he will cause the human beings everyone who comes in this world to die and then he will bring them back to life and there will be an hour of judgment everyone will be called to account many mentions concerning the Ashab al-Kahf the people of the cave he says is yet is yatanazauna baynahum amrahum yani the people who discovered them were arguing a disputed disputing between themselves what shall they do with them faqalu ibnu alayhim wa ibnu alayhim Bunyanan, that some of them said we should build over them a building, a structure. Rabbahum a'lam bihim. And their Lord, He knows best about them. Yani, that we should just build a structure over them and leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one who knows best about their affair. Qala alladheena ghalabu ala amrihim. But those who overcame in the matter, those who had the power, the authority, who had the final word in the matter, they said, لَنَتَّخِذَنَّ عَلَيْهِمْ مَسْجِدًا That we will build over them a masjid yani a place of worship we'll build a place so that the people will know where they are and people will come to them and people will seek blessings from that place and indeed building the masjid over the graves it was from the ways of the Ahl Kitab and for that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the Prophet sallallahu said in the hadith which we mentioned last week that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was angry with them and the curse of Allah be upon those who take the graves of their prophets as places of worship in the general explanation of this ayah, the shaykh says that here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that he has made some of the people to know and in that time he made them to know and to come across the ashab al-kahf, the people of the cave and the hikmah or the wisdom in that it was so that he would produce a proof of the correctness and the authenticity and the truthfulness of the resurrection after death that indeed people will be resurrected after life just as these were put to death and resurrected to life then he informed them and then he informed that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs about the, the argument or dispute that took place between the people at that time when they discovered them and that some of them had the opinion of building over them a structure and but they believed that they should leave the matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or others and those who actually had the final word and the authority in the matter they had the opinion of building a place of worship building a masjid or masjid over them from this hadith he mentions three benefits the first of them is the confirmation the reality and the truth of this story the story of the people of the cave 
And it, the Quran confirms the reality that this indeed did take place. Number two, the confirmation of the resurrection after death. That this is also a reality that will indeed take place. And number three, the taking of masjids or places of worship or building of masjids or places of worship over graves. That this is from the ways of the previous nations. And the Christians and Jews and the other people who deviated. Then the Shaykh says the relationship of this ayah to the chapter heading and the topic, the general topic of At-Tawheed that this ayat indicates points out to us that the people of the book had built masjids, they had built masjids over the graves and that the Prophet ﷺ cursed them for that reason because of what, such, what the action of doing so, what it leads to of the worship of those who are in the graves. I mean that the building of places of worship over the graves leads to the worship of those who are in the graves. And it has been confirmed in the following hadith that this ummah, the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, will do the actions of the people of the book and they will also build places of worship or masjids over the graves. And they will also worship those who are buried in those graves in the end. And indeed the building a place of worship of the graves will lead to the worship of those who are buried in the graves. The fourth evidence of the Shaykh Rahimahullah is the hadith that is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim Rahimahumullah on the authority of Abu Sa'id that is Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qal latattabi'unna sanana من كان قبلكم and in some of the narrations سننا من كان قبلكم and both of them are correct سنن it is singular it means طريق or way and سنن it is the plural of sunnah and it means also طرق or ways he said لتتبعنا سننا سننا من كان قبلكم that indeed definitely you will follow the way or the ways of those who came before you and here the lamb in la, in the beginning of the hadith, لَتَتَّبِعُنَّ The lamb here, it, it is because of that which has been deleted from the statement by what is understood. It is that which follows an oath that the Prophet ﷺ means by this statement, وَاللَّهِ لَتَتَّبِعُنَّ سَنَنَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ وَاللَّهِ I swear by Allah you will indeed follow the way or the ways of those who came before you. حَذْوَى الْقُذَّةِ بِالْقُذَّةِ حَتَّى لَوْ دَخَلُوا جُهْرَ الصَّبِّنْ لَدَخَلْتُمُوهُ He said you will follow them يعني just as حَذْوَى الْقُذَّةِ بِالْقُذَّةِ is like the equality or the similarity or the resemblance or the exact equality between the feathers of an arrow between the feathers of one arrow not as it has been translated in the shot of this book the meaning of this statement is that the feathers of one arrow, that they have to be equal in order for the arrow to, to go accurately. Now, don't come. Walaikum salam. Now? Now, mother be. Please. And he, he said, Wallahi, indeed, you will follow the way or the ways of those who came before you, particularly the Christians and Jews. He said, Hazwa al-Kuzzati bil-Kuzzati. And he just as the feathers of an arrow are equal, there being no difference between them. If they are not equal, the arrow will not go straight, it will not be accurate. So likewise, just as they are equal and there is no difference between them, likewise you will follow them without there being any difference between you and them. You will follow them exactly, precisely. Hatta, even to the extent that if they entered the hole of a lizard, which is impossible that they could enter the hole of a lizard, but this is to show that he said, even if they entered the hole of a lizard, you would enter it and follow them. So what about that which is possible? If that which is impossible you would follow them in, then indeed that which is possible, you will follow them in it. That means you will follow them in everything that they do. Qalu, Ya Rasulullah, they said, O Messenger of Allah, Al-Yahud, Wal-Nasara, do you mean the Jews and the Christians? Qala faman. And he said, then who? And if not them, then who? Who do I mean? Indeed, you will follow them. Meaning, you will follow the Christians and the Jews. 
the general explanation of this hadith, the Shaykh says that he, Abu Sa'id, radiallahu anhu, informs us that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, informed us that this ummah, it will imitate and follow the previous nations in their habits or customs, adatihim, fi adatihim, wa siyasatihim, wa diyanatihim, that we will follow them in their customs, as well as in their politics, as well as in their religious affairs. We will follow them in everything, in everything, not only in religion, but in everything. And also that, that indeed you will, that you will follow them or you will imitate them or you will be similar to them in every way just as, yani, just as the feather or the feathers of an arrow are similar to the other feathers of an arrow. One feather is similar to another feather equal to it. Likewise in the same, you, same way you will imitate them and follow them exactly in the same way. Then he confirmed or he, he emphasized this point of the similarity and the following of his ummah or some of the people of his ummah to the people of the previous nations. He said that if, if they entered into the hole of a lizard while it is tight and it is dark, you would have tried. Yani, meaning his ummah, they would have also tried to enter it. Then when the companions of the Prophet ﷺ questioned him or asked him, what did he mean? What did he mean by those who were before you? Is it the Jews and the Christians? And he answered, indeed, yes. Who other than them? From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions four points or fawaid. The first fa'idah, it is the clarification of the mu'jizah, the miracle of the Prophet ﷺ that indeed what he predicted, it came, it was realized just as he informed it would happen. It happened like that, and we see it today, and the many people of the Muslims following, the Christians and Jews, in everything. Number two, the clarification of al-ashya al-ma'anawiyya, bil-amthila al-hissiyya, the clarification of things which are conceptual, by examples of things which are sensual, or you can, and hissiyah means that which you can experience by your senses. The clarification of things which might be conceptual, which have some meaning, but cannot be experienced by the senses. By examples which are sensual, it is from the ways of teaching in Islam. And to make examples of those things that the people understand and can relate to and identify with, to clarify those things which might be conceptual and difficult to understand. Number three, the prohibition of imitation or resembling the people of the book. Number four, that asking the people of knowledge about that which is difficult to understand or difficult to see, uh, or whose wisdom or reasoning is difficult to understand, yani that it is expected that the people should ask the Ahlu al-ilm, the people of knowledge about those things whose ruling or wisdom is not easily detectable. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter and the subject of Tawheed is that this hadith indicates that this ummah will practice or will do the actions or perform the actions of the people of the book and from amongst their actions is the worship of Al-Awthan. And this hadith makes it crystal clear that indeed the people of this ummah will follow the previous nations, specifically the Christians and Jews as well as others and from amongst their actions that they will follow them exactly in without leaving out anything is also in their matters of worship and from amongst it it is a shirk that they have fallen into shirk and the Muslim Ummah will indeed some of them will fall into shirk while Allah will protect by His mercy and His favor those who He wills the last evidence that the Imam Rahimahullah mentions is a hadith that is reported by Imam Muslim Rahimahullah in his Sahih from Thawban رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said إن الله زوالي الأرض فرأيت مشارقها ومغاربها He said that Allah سبحانه وتعالى has brought together has gathered together for me the earth He has brought together so that I was able to see the east of it and the west of it يعني whatever is in the east and the west He made me to see it وَأَنَّ أُمَّتِي سَيَبْلُغُ مُلْقُهَا مَا زُوِيَ لِي مِنْهَا And that my ummah 
it, its kingdom or sovereignty would reach what all that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gathered and collected together for me to see to reach that far and I have been given two treasures the two treasures Al-Ahmar the red meaning gold that was the treasures of Qaisar the ruler of Arum and Al-Abiyad the white meaning the silver which was the treasures of Kisra the ruler of Persia that these treasures have been given to me that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised it for his followers وَإِنِّي سَأَلْتُ رَبِّي لِأُمَّتِي and I have also asked Allah asked my Lord for my Ummah he has supplicated the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he supplicated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his Ummah أَلَّا يُحْلِكَهَا بِسَنَةٍ بِآمَةٍ that they, that he would not destroy them by drought or famine that is general that yani, affects everyone that they would not be destroyed by yani, a devastating overwhelming general drought or famine وَأَلَّا يُصَلِّتَ عَلَيْهِمْ عَدُوًّا مِنْ سِوَى أَنفُسِهِمْ فَيَفْتَبِيحَا بَيْدَكَهُمْ And also that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give authority or sovereignty or control over them to a people, an enemy outside of themselves. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not give authority or control of a people outside of themselves to overcome them such that they would destroy them completely and annihilate them totally or most of them, if not all of them. He asks that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not give that authority over his ummah to any enemy of theirs, that they would destroy them completely. وَإِنَّ رَبِّي قَالَ أَوْ إِنَّ رَبِّي إِنَّ رَبِّي قَالَ يَا مُحَمَّدُ إِذَا قَدَيْتُ قَبَاعًا فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُرَدُ He said, that verily my Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, O Muhammad, that whenever or if I decide a matter, if I decree a decree, then it will not be withdrawn, it will not be pushed back, it will not be stopped, it has to happen. And indeed I have given to you li ummatika for your ummah Allah Bisanatin And indeed I have given to you for your ummah these two I mean, the answer to these two supplications that they will not be destroyed by a overwhelming drought or famine nor would they be given to under the control of an enemy outside of themselves who would destroy most of them or the majority of them and he said وَلَوْ اجْتَمَعَ عَلَيْهِمْ مَنْ بِأَقْفَارِهَا and that is this would not happen even if all of the people from all of their sides from all of the sides came together against them still they would not be able to destroy the whole of the Muslim Ummah by Allah's mercy حَتَّى يَكُونَ بَعْدُهُمْ يُحْلِكَ بَعْدًا وَيَصْبِي بَعْدَهُمْ بَعْدًا until yani they would be protected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from being overwhelmed by the enemies or being destroyed totally حَتَّى يَكُونَ بَعْدَهُمْ أَوْ بَعْدُهُمْ يُحْلِكَ بَعْدُهُمْ until some of them would destroy others yani until the Muslims would fight amongst themselves some of them would destroy others from their ummah and some of them would take captives of other members of their ummah then at that time when the Muslims fought against themselves when they differed and disputed and broke into factions and parties and fought against one another and split up against themselves then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would allow some of the enemies to overcome them this is the end of the hadith as it was narrated by Imam Muslim Rahimahullah. And then the Shaykh says, وَرَوَاهُ الْبُرْقَانِ فِي صَحِيهِهِ وَزَادَ And one of the Imams of the people of Sunnah, Al-Burqani, who collected many of the hadith in his book, many of the authentic hadith, he said that he has collected this hadith of Imam Muslim, but he has added to it, and he has in his narration, and in that which he has reported from the Prophet ﷺ, a further narration, more than what Imam Muslim has narrated. And he said in this narration, وَإِنَّمَا أَخَافُوا عَلَىٰ أُمَّةِ الْأَئِمَّةِ الْمُضِلِّينَ That the Prophet ﷺ said that indeed, that which, the thing, the, the one thing which I fear upon my ummah, it is 
the Al-Amma Al-Mudillin, those leaders who would lead the people astray. And that includes the religious leaders, the political leaders, as well as those so-called righteous worshippers. All of them having some kind of influence over the people, and if they are evil, they would mislead the people. He said, this is what I fear, this is the one thing that I fear upon my ummah. وَإِذَا وَقَعَ عَلَيْهِمْ لَمْ يُرْفَعْ إِلَى يَوْمُ قِيَامَةِ And if the sword falls upon them, that is the fighting starts between them, then it will never be lifted until Yawm Qiyamah. And some of the scholars said that this took place with the killing of Uthman ibn Affan radiyallahu anhu. وَلَا تَقُومُ وَالْسَاعَ حَتَّى يَلْحَقَ حَيٌّ مِنْ أُمَّةِ بِالْمُشْرِكِينَ And the hour of judgment would not come until حَيٌّ يعني حَيٌّ means a qabila or a tribe from amongst my ummah that they would join with the mushrikeen. And some of the scholars said that they would join them perhaps by living with them, by going to them and living with them and being pleased to live with them instead of living with the Muslims as we see today and they will become mixed with them and they will become similar to them and they will leave their deen and join the deen of the mushrikeen. and some said that it means that they will just take on their ways that they will be joined to them and taking on their ways in any case whether it means going to them or whether it means being like them he said that the hour of judgment will not come until a tribe a qabila or a hay from my ummah they would join with the mushrikeen. they will become part of them and this is the part of the hadith that is important in reference to the chapter under discussion and the hour of judgment will not come until siyam yani large, a large number of groups jama'at kathira a large number of groups from amongst my ummah that they would actually worship al-awthan false gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِنَّهُ سَيَقُونُ فِي أُمَّةِ كَذَّابُونَ ثَلَاثُونَ And also the Prophet ﷺ predicted that they would be from amongst my ummah 30, at least, not less than 30, كَذَّابُونَ Major great liars. Yani those who would claim prophethood. كُلُّهُمْ يَذْعَمُ أَنَّهُ نَبِيُّونَ Every one of them would claim that he is a prophet. وَأَنَا خَاتَمْ النَّبِيِّينَ While I am indeed the seal of the prophets, yani the seal after which there is no other prophet and there is no prophethood. And to make it clear what is the meaning of Khatamun Nabiyin, in case people try to interpret as the Ahmadiyyah did, that he is the seal, he is the one who puts the seal on the prophets who will come after him, he said, وَأَنَا خَاتَمٌ نَبِيِّينَ لَا نَبِيَّ بَعْدِي I am the seal of the prophets and there is no prophet after me. وَلَا تَزَالُوا طَائِفَةٌ مِنْ أُمَّتِي عَلَى الْحَقِّ and so that the Muslims would not be in despair after hearing all of these terrible events that would take place, that the Muslims would join the pagans and that Muslims would worship idols and people would claim prophethood, so that indeed the tawheed, the belief in Allah alone is violated. And even the belief in the prophethood, the seal of the finality of the prophet of Muhammad sallallahu is also violated. The shahadatain is violated by these people who worship other than Allah and call to the prophethood of other than Muhammad sallallahu So that the Muslims wouldn't lose hope. The prophet sallallahu said, وَلَا تَزَالُوا طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْ أُمَّتِي عَلَى الْحَقِّ مَنْصُورَةً لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ مَنْ خَذَلَهُمْ وَلَا مَنْ خَالَفَهُمْ حَتَّى يَأْتِي أَمْرُ اللَّهِ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى He said indeed there would be a group, a ta'ifa from amongst my ummah that they will remain on al-haq, the truth مَنْصُورَةً They will be supported and given the victory They will be given success by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that success is primarily or that victory or that support, that nasr it is first and foremost in the proofs and evidences of that which came from the Qur'an and Sunnah that what they are upon, it is the haq. They would, they would remain a group from amongst this ummah who would retain those proofs and those evidences that al-Islam it is the haq until yawm al-Qiyamah. Even if physically on the battlefield from time to time the Muslims may have been defeated in the battle but indeed there will be a ta'ifa, ta'ifa al-Mansura who would be given the victory by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over all the nations of the earth in terms of the proofs and the evidences that they have been given of the, of the truth and the rightness of al-Islam. And no one would harm them. Those who oppose them, من خذلهم ولا من خالفهم nor those who 
يعني those who abandon them من خذلهم those who abandon them those who refuse to support them they abandon them ولا من خالفهم nor those who oppose them they would not harm them at all until the amr Allah the command of Allah comes and most of the scholars said the command of Allah means his amr al-qawni the universal order يعني for the end of this world and that would be when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would send rihun tayyibah a good wind that would take the souls of all of those who retain any bit of iman in their hearts he would take their souls and remove them from the earth so that the hour of judgment would only come upon the worst the most evil of the people left in the earth not upon the believers uh, some of the narrations of Kitab al-Tawheed in reporting this hadith from Burqani don't mention the words وَمَنْ وَلَا مَنْ خَالَفَهُمْ they just mentions لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ مَنْ خَذَلَهُمْ however in this the sharh that we are using this expression is mentioned and also in the text of Kitab al-Tawheed from the explanation of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen it also contains this expression Allahu Alam both of these expressions also and both of them are indeed correct yani that those who abandon them who refuse to support them as well as those who oppose them that they wouldn't be able to harm them in any way <coughs> here the shaykh says in the general meaning of this hadith that the prophet sallallahu has informed us in this hadith that allah has brought together or collected for him the whole the earth yani so that he saw the east and the west of it the east and the west of it and the east and the west is, is, is the areas to which the deen of Islam has spread and the sovereignty of the Muslims have been established in the earth, not in the north and the south. And that the sovereignty of my ummah, that it would reach whatever I have seen. And I also ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that my ummah will not be destroyed by a general drought and that they will not be overcome by an enemy outside of themselves so that most of the Muslims would be destroyed by them. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has answered him in this supplication that is the Prophet except that uh, except when the Muslims dispute amongst themselves and some of them carry weapons against others that is they fight against one another at that time some of them will kill others of them and take captives one another then the Prophet made clear the thing the most dangerous thing that he feared for his ummah and that is the leaders who would be astray and who would lead others astray that is those who would be followed and they would rule over the people without knowledge they would themselves go astray and they would also lead others astray and also he mentions that if the fighting between the Muslims started in this ummah, yani fighting against one another unjustly, then it would continue, it would never stop until Yawm Qiyamah. And also he mentioned that a part of his ummah, that they would worship the awthan, false gods, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and also that there would appear amongst his ummah 30 people who would claim prophethood, they would be false, there would be a false claim. Uh, however, the Prophet ﷺ informed us that he is the last of the Prophets or the final Prophet and that there is no Prophet after him and so that the people would not lose hope and that they would, wouldn't lose hope in themselves and the Muslims he gave the good news that there would be a jama'ah or a group from amongst his ummah that would remain on the truth and they would be supported or given the victory by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no one would be able to harm them those who abandon them or those who oppose them until the command of Allah comes. Then the Shaykh mentions ten points to derive from this hadith. The first of them is clarification of a of a mu'ajizah, a miracle for the Prophet ﷺ in that all that he predicted it came to be. Number two, the, permis- the permissibility of taking the spoils of war for the Muslims in that the Prophet ﷺ said that he would be given the two treasures, gold and silver of the two great kingdoms, Rome and Persia. Number three, the concern of the Prophet ﷺ for his ummah, yani in his supplicating that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala don't allow them to be destroyed overall or that they be overcome by an enemy outside of themselves. Number four, the confirmation of the sifa of al-qawl for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, speech for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
in that the Prophet ﷺ said, "Inna Rabbi qala ya Muhammad," yani that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala spoke to him. Number five, that the reason for the destruction of this ummah it will be the disputing and fighting amongst themselves. That the disputing and fighting amongst themselves is the cause for the destruction of this ummah. And every group of Muslims who allows disputing and fighting amongst themselves, they also become a part of this destruction of the Muslim ummah. Number six, the clarification of the danger of the misguiding al-ummah al-mudillin, the misguiding leaders, and warning against them. Number seven, the presence or the existence of shirk in this ummah, the ummah of Muhammad wasallam, that some of them would actually worship false gods. Number eight, or many of them. Number eight, the rejection of everyone who claims prophethood after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number nine, that he, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Messenger of Allah, is the seal of the Prophet. There's no Prophet after him. Number ten, that the truth will continue in this ummah until the command of Allah. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter heading and Tawheed is that this hadith indicates, or not only indicates, it is a clear text of the fact that some of the people of this ummah will worship Al-Awthan, false gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the Messiah are about 14, and even though we can't go into the details of what Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin has mentioned in these Messiah, but at least I will try to summarize some of what he said, skipping over what doesn't need any mention. The first of them is the tafsir of the ayat of Surah An-Nisa, yani the verse chapter 4, 51, did you not look at those who are given a portion of the book, yani the, meaning the, the people of the book, the Christians and Jews that believed in Egypti with Tagut, who believed in magic or sorcery and other such things, and those who believed in worshipping something besides Allah, the false god, shaitan or otherwise. Number two, the tafsir of Ayat al-Ma'idah, that is the verse in chapter 5 verse 60, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pointed out the characteristics of the Jews, yani that they were those whom Allah's curse was upon and His wrath was upon, and those who He transformed into monkeys and apes, and who worshipped at Tagut. And this also would be yani, an example that would be followed by the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu Number three, the tafsir of Ayat al-Kaf, that is the verse in chapter 18 verse 21, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the people of the cave and in that ayat he said uh, that those who had the final word in the matter that they said we will build a place of worship over their graves and this also was what would be followed by the people of this ummah number four and he said and this issue is the most important of them is the meaning of al-iman bijibti wa ta'gut what is the meaning of having faith in iman and ajibti wa ta'gut is it belief in the heart or is it being in agreement with the people who practice these things, who fall into these things? Is it believing in it or is it just acting in accordance with it while hating it and knowing that it is false? And the Shaykh said that whoever believes in it, for sure this is included in the meaning here. Whoever believes in Jibti wa Tagut, the ayat definitely, whoever has that belief in their heart, they are included in it. However, those who are in agreement with it, who act in accordance with it, while hating it and while knowing that it is false, he said, there's a difference here, yani, there's a differentiation between the people of this category. Those who believe that what they are doing related to participating in magic or sorcery or the worship of something other than Allah, whether it's graves or otherwise, those who believe that this is correct, indeed it is kufr. While those who don't believe that it is correct, then even though they don't believe it's correct by falling into it, they are engaging in something that is very, very dangerous and it is feared that it would lead them to also fall into kufr. Number five, they're saying that the disbelievers whom they knew were, were kafirs, they knew their kufr. And the disbelievers, meaning the pagans of Mecca, the Jews, saying that those disbelievers who they knew were kafirs, saying that, that they were more rightly guided than the believers, meaning the Muslims, he said that indeed this saying, such a statement, it is kufr itself. It is kufr. The one who says such a thing is a kafir. Because he has given preference to kufr over iman. Number six, so that even those Jews who were believers in the previous prophets, they went out of Islam by such a statement. Number six, uh, and this is what was intended by the title of this chapter, uh, that it is a necessity that there be 
come from amongst this ummah who would fall into the worship of idols, he said that uh, as it has been confirmed in the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, he said that the, the title heading that he is referring to is the chapter what has come concerning the fact that some of this ummah will worship idols. And the hadith of Abu Sa'id, he is referring to the statement of the Prophet Wasallam that you would indeed definitely follow the ways of those who came before you exactly, even if they went into the hole of the lizard, you would go into it. And they said, do you mean the Jews and Christians? He said, who else? Uh, the Shaykh says here that this statement, it is, yani this is the clarification of the warning against following the ways of the previous nation, the Christians and Jews, and falling into that which they have fallen into. Then he says, number seven, تَصْرِيحُهُ بِوُقُوِيهَا yani that the author has made it clear, and in a clear statement that indeed this would happen, that it would take place, meaning the worship of idols, that the worship of idols would indeed take place and we are warned against such. Number eight, Al-Ajabu Al-Ujab yani the most amazing of amazing things is that there has appeared those who claimed prophethood like Al-Mukhtar while saying the words of a shahadatain claiming prophethood, prophethood while saying Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah and while saying clearly that he is from this ummah and saying that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is on the truth and saying that the Qur'an is the truth and the Qur'an contains the fact that Muhammad وسلم, is the seal of the Prophet and in spite of all of this he was believed and in spite of all of this somebody claimed prophethood and people believed him while there is a clear contradiction between his claim to prophethood and his claim to the shahadatain and this Mukhtar he came at the end of the time of the companions of the Prophet وسلم, and a large number of people followed him and then he mentions and some details about Al-Mukhtar, not necessary to mention here. The important point is that the amazing thing is that some people came, Al-Mukhtar and others, claiming to be Muslims, claiming to believe in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu claiming to believe in the Qur'an, while they also claimed prophethood for themselves. Number nine, the good news that the truth will remain, that the good, the good news that the truth will not be removed in totality, as it was removed totally in the past, the previous messages that came, but this time, the truth that the Prophet Muhammad came with, it would not be removed in totality, but there would remain a group from amongst this ummah who would stand upon the truth and they would be supported and given victory by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number 10, the great signs, or the great sign yani that came in this hadith that the, there would remain a, a group who would remain on the truth, he said that even though that they are few, though they were few, still those who abandoned them and those who opposed them would not be able to cause any harm to them. And then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 249 that how many times would a small group overcome a greater group by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that Allah is with the patient. Number 11, that this is a shart or a condition until Yawmul Qiyamah, yani that a group would remain standing on the truth and they, they would be victorious by the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number 12, what, contain, what is contained? Al-ayat al-azimah the, the many great signs that are contained in the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu reported from Thawban radiallahu anhu and there are many signs containing it, containing it and amongst them uh, are those things that point to the truthfulness or the authenticity of the message of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and amongst them is that he informed that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala showed him the east and the west and he explained what that means and it happened just as he said as opposed to the north and the south which Islam didn't spread out that much to it. Uh, and also, from amongst those things, and this is only something that could be known, yani it's ilm al-ghayb that's only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whoever he informs of it. But uh, from amongst the other great signs is his informing us that he will be given the two tra- great cre- treasures, the gold and silver of Rome and Persia. And from amongst them is in his informing of the answering of his supplications for his ummah, two of them, that is that they would not be destroyed by overwhelming drought, nor would they be overcome by an enemy outside of themselves and destroyed completely until they start to fighting amongst themselves but that he was prohibited the third of them and that's in another hadith the hadith of uh, Amir ibn Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqaf radiallahu anhu who said uh, that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that he had supplicated for three things and one of them was that uh, that they would not that his ummah would not fall into fighting amongst themselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't grant him that
also from amongst the great songs in this hadith is that he informed us that once the fighting started amongst his ummah that it would not be lifted until Yawm Qiyamah and indeed this has happened as we have seen uh, beginning with the death of Uthman or the killing of Uthman radiallahu anhu and also his informing us that the destruction that it would happen that some of the Muslims would fight against one another and kill one another and take captive one another and this has also happened and from amongst them is the fear of the Prophet from the misleading leaders that is all of those Imams those people who are followed meaning due to their knowledge or due to their authority or due to their worship yani, meaning the ulama or the, the, the rulers or the, those who are known for worship and therefore the people thinking that their great worshippers also listen to them and follow them and take advice from them uh, then he said also from amongst those things what he informed us is that there will remain a Taifa al-Mansura the victorious group that would be supported by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of these things that he informed us about indeed they took place as he informed us about it while the Shaykh says in the end of his statement yani the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab he's quoting him here he said Every one of these things is the furthest, furthest thing from what one would imagine in them, and what one would think if they and use their intellect or their mind. They would never imagine that any of these things would take place, and every one of them took place as the Prophet prophesied. Also, the thirteenth point is that the Prophet limited his fear on his ummah, he limited it to al-imma al-imma al-mubilneen yani that the, those who he feared were only the misleading leaders whether political leaders or the scholars or those who were known for worship their worship so that they were followed and influenced the people and misled them if they were evil and if they were good then they would leave them alike these are the, those who the Prophet ﷺ feared and finally number 14 he says at-tambih Ya'ani bringing to our attention the real meaning of the worship of Al-Awthan. In the title of the chapter he said that indeed some of his ummah, that they will worship Al-Awthan. And he said the meaning of this worship, it is not limited to bowing and prostrating to them, but it also includes following those who mislead, those who make lawful what Allah has made haram, or those who make haram what Allah has made lawful, and then the people follow them in that. Yani following obeying as well as offering any type of worship all of this is what he means by the worship of Al-Awthan and all of this took place amongst his ummah this is the end of the Messiah and the end of yani, what we have maybe we can take about two or three minutes if there are any questions or comments or corrections or if anybody <laughs> فَالْيَوْمَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ 